chapter 12. As we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians now for a while, chapter 12 begins the section that includes 12, 13, and 14 as Paul focuses on the topic of spiritual gifts. It was an important thing to share with the Christians there in Corinth because although they were very gifted, special people with unique capacities and abilities, yet they were allowing their gifts to divide them. They were fighting about gifts. They were proud of, well, I have gifts that you don't have. My gift is better than your gift. Bragging about which preachers they were loyal to and things like that. Just silly, divisive things. And so Paul takes quite a bit of time here in chapter 12 to explain the nature of the church, the body of Christ, that we are all members in the same way that our physical body has different members and each one of them filling a role. So the body of Christ has people who are uniquely gifted to fit in and to belong, to work together to ultimately see the fulfillment of what the church is supposed to be. And as we saw last week looking in this passage, Paul talked about there are some parts of your body that don't get a lot of attention. You don't think about them much. You don't really do much to take care of them. No one says they look nice or take pictures of them until there's something wrong with them. You don't even notice what that member does until it doesn't work, and boy, then you've got a real problem. And so he says in the body of Christ, some of the most visible members aren't really the most important members functionally. Oh, they get their attention, and that's fine. But even as the physical body has some of the more visible members being less crucial to its functioning, so in the body of Christ, some people have ministries that are up front, and everyone sees them, and he says, that isn't the most important thing. It's everyone working together beneath the surface, behind the scenes, everyone doing what God has called them to do that ultimately brings together this synergy that is the body of Christ, where then we can actually depict who Jesus is by how we do what we do. And so just a beautiful reminder to us that each of us is vitally important to the body, each of us has special roles that we need to play and that we all need each other. We can't look down on some people and think that they're inferior to us. We don't look up at other people thinking that they are superior to us. We realize together we can accomplish great things for God. But separated, certainly, we will be damaged and hindered from being everything that God wants us to be. And so now continuing in that vein, well, in verse 25, he said, the reason you're constructed this way is that there would be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So this is all about getting us to understand that we need each other, we care about each other, we will watch out for each other. And then in verse 26, he says something that, is really profound. He says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Because we are connected, 
When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we all can rejoice. That's the way it should be. You know, life is a weird combination of pain and pleasure. It's a, it's a sometimes it seems to be an unfair cycle of suffering and rejoicing. The reason it seems unfair is that sometimes I may get a streak of bad luck. It may seem like, man, everything bad is happening to me. And I look around me and it seems like those bad things aren't happening to everyone else. And I can feel like, what's wrong with me? And one reason why we feel that way is because we are oriented toward being individuals. We think about ourselves, and we don't necessarily see how we are connected to others. And so, sometimes we suffer, and man, when I am suffering, it hurts. One reason why suffering is so painful is, is most of the time, suffering will tend to isolate you. Because when I'm going through a bad time, I can be miserable to be around. Most of us are looking to be around people who make us feel good. And so being around suffering people can be painful. Oh, we can't avoid them completely, but have you ever noticed when you're on a streak of bad luck, it seems like people aren't around as much? You know, we have this, this thing where we go, hey, how are you? But nobody wants to know how you are. They want you to say, fine. They want you to cooperate with this little game that we play where we're all just fine. You leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. You have your problems and I have mine. I remember years ago at Calvary Chapel, one of the pastors was about to leave and he, he was saying he had been there for several years and counseling people every day and he told me, I've already planned my final counseling appointment. He said, I'm going to have them come in and sit down, and I'll say, tell me what your problems are. Tell me what's the matter. And he said, they'll go on and tell me this sad story, and I'll say, well, is that all? Well, no, there's more, and they'll continue to tell me everything that's wrong in their life. And then he said, I just have always dreamed of looking back at them and saying, well, you have your problems, and I have mine. <laughs> Not a nice way to minister to someone. It's why we have pastors and counselors, so someone will listen to your problems. But one reason why suffering is difficult is so often it isolates us. But we're not designed to suffer alone. Suffering that is shared can be bearable. We can actually deal with things. And, and sometimes in a, in a strange sort of way, when we go through a hard time, if people come through and are there for us or they're with us, it, it lifts us up and it seems to help. Now, usually people can't fix what's wrong. But when you're suffering, it's just nice to know that someone cares. It's nice to know that someone sympathizes with you. The word here, to suffer with, is the same word from which we get our word sympathize. It's a word that means not that you feel the same as they do. You know, if I feel really bad and you go, oh, I know you don't hurt the same way that I do, but you're affected by me. You're sharing in some way. The Bible talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. And there are some people who are really good at connecting 
and sympathizing. There may be people who have the gift of showing mercy, or sometimes other gifts are exhibited this way. The, one of the best examples that I ever knew of this was a guy named Justin Alfred. Justin was a, a guy from Mississippi, and he was funny. He moved out to California and became a pastor at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and most of us had never been around somebody who was that much of a hick. He was just really funny to be around. Everything he said came out funny. And he was a big, huge guy, played football at Mississippi State, and everything he felt was intense. But man, if you were hurting, he was hurting with you. If you were happy, he was celebrating with you. I remember hearing the story when our first son, William, was born. It took a while, over 40 hours of labor, and was going through. I think it was harder for me because I was so sympathetic, but it was admittedly hard for her. The thing is, they wouldn't give me medication to help me. But the church was having a staff Christmas party the night that we were delivering William. And they knew that we were having a tough delivery. And right about the time that William was born was when Justin stopped everyone at the party and said, let's pray for Brother Dave and Sister Anne. And everybody's like, okay. And they said, everyone described it to me, and they said, you couldn't believe. Justin prayed like he was delivering a baby. They said, he was just, oh, God, please take that little baby right now and turn it into the birth canal, allow it to go forth toward the opening of the uterus and push it forward good. And it was like he was in stirrups as he was praying, you know. And, and hearing about it later, it was just so touching to know that, you know, they said he was sweating and he was, but he was the kind of guy that just really felt that way for you. If if you saw Justin, you go, and he said, how are you doing? You, would, you go, well, I'm okay. Got a little cold. Oh, Brother Dave. Oh, let me pray for you. And, and you, he just felt with you. But if you had good news, like after the first time I saw him, after William was born, he was more excited than I was. How's that baby Oh, he's great. He's doing well. Anne's fine. Oh, Brother Dave. Oh. And... I know, you know, it sounds phony, but this guy really is that way. He feels that way. And everyone can't be that over the top, that bigger than life. But there's something there that we need to know that we're connected, to know that when we hurt, it matters to someone, to know that when we're going through a tough time, there's someone who will be there, who maybe just to comfort us, Maybe not to say anything. You know, usually there isn't anything you can say when someone's suffering that's going to make them feel better. I've been through people, been through things with people when they've lost a child or lost a, you know, their spouse or something like that. Or, and times when I got police call-outs as a chaplain where I had to be there where there was a suicide and the family's there, a horrible car accident or something, and you've lost your loved one. And, and I used to, on the way, just feel like, what am I going to say? Because I'm a pastor. You're supposed to say. It's what I do all day. Talk, 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 talk. But you know, when someone's really hurting, I've learned there isn't anything you can say. And sometimes you try to say stuff, but I've never once had someone come back later and say, you know, Dave, when you were there with us at the hospital, 
what you said was perfect. Never had that. But many, many times I've had people say, you know, I don't remember what you said, but you being there just meant a lot. You just being there holding my hand, you just being there letting me cry on your shoulder, boy, that meant a lot. Because we are designed to go through things together. We are designed to be connected, to be a part of a body. And as such, it's normal when we do that, and it's out of sync when we don't. You might have heard the story. I heard a story about a little girl whose best friend lived right next door to her, and her best friend got sick and died. And no one knew how to console a mother who lost her only child, but this little girl every day would ask her mother, can I go next door to, to be with Betsy's mom? And she said, sure, honey, go ahead. And, and every day she would go over there, and all she would do is come knock on the door, go inside, and the, the mom the grieving mother would hold her on her lap and just cry and hold her. And so after a few days, her mom said, honey, what do you do over there? She goes, oh, I don't do much. I just sit there and help her cry. You know, sometimes we just need somebody to help us cry, just to be there and go, yeah, I'm here. And that's the way God has designed us, to understand that when, and you know, it doesn't say you ought to hurt, you ought to suffer, when someone else suffers, it says, when one member suffers, all are suffering. See, the fact is, what hurts you does hurt me, whether I'm aware of it or not. I, I can anesthetize myself to the point where I don't feel that pain, but that's not a healthy thing. Leprosy is a horrible disease, and they used to think that leprosy was something that would cause your limbs to fall off of your body. But they found out it's not that at all. It's a disease that deadens your nerves to the point where you can no longer feel pain. And so people who had leprosy, they would be close to a fire and their hand would start to burn and they wouldn't even realize it was burning. See, a, an animal would start nibbling on them and they didn't even realize it. And so they would lose parts of their body because of their inability to feel pain. Pain is a gift from God. The ability to feel pain is a part of being healthy. It's a requirement for health. We shouldn't be proud of ourselves when we can make ourselves get to the point where, yeah, I just don't feel too much anymore. Because the truth is, when any part of our body is suffering, we are all suffering. It's a loss to all of us. Now, we can go, yeah, okay, and I'll, I'll try to be there for people who are going through hard times, and that's good, but I don't know anybody who's really suffering that bad. Well, maybe you do, and you haven't asked around enough, but let's broaden the perspective. The body of Christ is not just our church here. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's all Christians everywhere. And do you realize that right now there are tons of Christians in other places in this world who are suffering horribly just because they're Christians? Estimated 200 million Christians in the world right now are being persecuted simply because they're Christians. They're in jail. They're suffering the losses of freedom. They've had their houses taken away. I read the other day where in a place in India, the Hindus were mad at some Christians because the Christians were doing well and went through and burned all their houses and destroyed all their property just because they were Christians. 
I, I read just a couple of weeks ago in Pakistan, there was a, a man who, uh, his name was um, Seen John William, and he was just, he's a missionary, 29 years old, evangelist, driving down the street. They blocked his car, masked men, gunned him down, killed him, called his young wife on his cell phone just to blaspheme the Lord and to say what they did to her husband. And now there's a, you know, 16-month-old little girl who doesn't have a daddy anymore and a, and, a, and a young gal who's married this guy because he loves Jesus, and now because he loves Jesus, he's dead. And all over the world, things like that are happening. I just read the other day where it was, I think it was in July when it initially happened, but there's a, there's a girl, Li Mai, in China who... Um, she was arrested, she and 10 other people, because they were at a, a, a um, nursing home and they were singing Christian songs to the people in the nursing home. And they showed the Jesus film. And they also prayed for one man to be healed who was sick there in the nursing home. As a result, this gal, Lee Mai, she's 42 years old, was taken and arrested beaten unmercifully, chained to a bed, prosecuted, sentenced to a year and a half in jail, beaten so badly that they had to give her a hysterectomy. And why? Because she's a Christian, because she loves Jesus. What if I told you that that was your sister? It was. It was your sister. She's all of our sisters. She's, we're connected. And this kind of stuff happens every day in this world to people just because they're related to us, just because they've put faith in Jesus Christ. They're suffering. We become so myopic. In our perspective, we look at our country, and, and you look at all the junk that, oh, everybody's concerned about in America, you know, what's happening to the church. They won't let us post the Ten Commandments in some public shrine. Come on, people are being gunned down for testifying of Jesus Christ in countries all over this world. And we think that we have it bad because of some stupid liberal laws or maybe the wrong person is going to get elected to office. Hey, we are connected. The body of Christ is big. And we are being hurt, whether we know it or not, when our brothers and sisters are suffering all over this world. Well, what can you do? You can be there. There are things you can do. You can be aware. You can pray for them. Go on the internet. Next time you're on the internet, take a few minutes away from reading about Britney Spears' latest problems and just Google persecuted church and go to, to websites like the Voice of the Martyrs and Open Door and some of these, and you'll see pictures and lists of people who are suffering for their faith all over this world. Take a few minutes and pray for them. Take a few minutes and write a letter to the government about some of them. You go, oh, that's not going to make a difference, writing a letter to the Chinese embassy. Actually, it does. They say that for these prisoners in China, when they get letters from the West, often they're released much earlier. Why? Because the Chinese government is so sensitive to, no, not at all. It's because they're politically aware. They don't want to look bad in this world. And so, as a result, they give in to pressure sometimes in order to keep their good trade relationship with the West. But, I mean, wouldn't you do that if it was your family member? 
but it is your family member. Now, I'm not suggesting to allow your life to become overwhelmed with this. I'm not saying that for every one of us, it's our full-time job to focus on that which is suffering, because that's just part of the story. It's a painful part of the story, but that is reality. We are all affected by the suffering around us and by the suffering that we don't see. But now you're going, boy, thanks a lot, Dave. You know, I was feeling pretty good when I came to church. And then I get to hear this. This is a downer. This is depressing. Man, I'll be glad when you get over that cold so you'll be in a better mood. (laughs) But again, that's only half the story. He says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. But if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Hey, There's a balance here. We should be aware of suffering, and we should share in that suffering and connect to that suffering in a meaningful way. But at the same time, we have a lot of reasons to celebrate what God is doing. We have a lot of reasons to enjoy and appreciate what he is doing. Even on a lot of those same websites that tell you about people who are in prison, they also have a list of people who they've been writing letters to, praying about, and they've been released. And God has, has delivered them. Others who have escaped from places like North Korea where they're so mistreated and now they're involved in ministry, good things are happening. And all around us and in our own body, you know, for every one person who's going through a tough time, there are a bunch of people who are going through great times. But we don't often talk about that either. And here's why. Sometimes when we hear that someone's really been honored and blessed, we get jealous. We, we hate them. We feel like, why you and not me? And you know that feeling. There are some people, there are some parents who are kind of obnoxious when they talk about their kids because it seems like their kids are perfect, at least the way they talk about them. And they can't wait to tell you about what honor their kid got next and what trophy they did and what, how they won. And they're, Basically, some parents, the way they talk about their kids, it sounds like they're saying, my kids are way better than your kids. Your kids are such losers compared to my kids. And so we go, I don't even want to hear about it. Don't tell me about your kids. Don't show me your new car when I have an old beat-up car. Don't tell me you got another house because your house that was twice the size of my house wasn't big enough for you, so you had to get a bigger one. I don't need to hear that. It's all about me. No, it's not. It's all about all of us. And if anyone has something good happening in their lives, if God is blessing them, that's a point for our team. That's something that's good for all of us. It's one of the things that you try to teach people in a team sport. There are some individual sports where it is just about one person. Golf, for instance. It's just about Tiger. Everyone else is a loser. But, <laughs> but you know, in team sports, you tell people, you want to do your best, but the big thing is for your team to win. I coached girls softball for years, and, and that was always a trial, dealing with the emotions of girls. I mean, guys are emotional, but they show it in different ways. And it's easier for me to connect to someone who throws a bat rather than to someone who just sits down and cries. But one of the things, most of the time I found out, half, half my dugout was crying, and it usually had nothing to do with softball, you know, something else. But when we would be in a close game, or maybe we'd be up by a run, 
and a player strikes out, and she'd come back crying. And I would go, it's about the team. It's not just about you. You know, if you bat, like in the Major League Baseball, if you get a hit a third of the time, you're one of the best hitters in baseball. That means two-thirds of the time you get out. But the goal of the game is to win. The goal of the game is for your team to do well. And what Paul is saying here is, life is a team sport. Don't worry about your own stats as much as you're celebrating how your team is doing. And the team is doing well. God is doing good things all the time. He's pouring his grace out on us. And if you're, going, if you're in a slump, if, you've had, if 2007 was the toughest year you've had in a long time, and you were so glad when 2008 came because you knew nothing else bad could happen, and you're overdue for something good to happen, and so far January didn't look so good. And now, you know, guess what? Maybe you are in a slump. But why don't you start talking to other people and letting them feel like it's safe to share that God is blessing them and doing good things and then realize we're all in this together. If there isn't much you can celebrate for yourself for, celebrate for the team. Those are the best celebrations. Those celebrations when we can appreciate each other and how God has blessed us. For jealousy to rob us of the appreciation of the gifts that God gives to our body, it's a shame. You know, some of the most gifted people in the world live miserable lives because they're constantly dealing with the jealousy of others. If you're someone who's blessed with really good looks, and I don't really see anybody, but, you know, maybe you used to be. No. Lots of good-looking people here. I guarantee there are some people who look at you and go, you're beautiful, I hate you. Because we don't want to feel like we are inferior in any way to anyone else. But in the body of Christ, we are inferior to everyone else in some ways. But in other ways, we are vitally important. And the body of Christ shouldn't be a place where you're ashamed of your gifts where people are telling you, tone it down a little bit. You know, don't quite show off those features or that talent. You know, we don't always want to hear from you because we know you're good, so take your place and sit in the back. It should be a place where we go, you know what? I wish I looked as good as you, but I'm glad at least one of us looks good, you know? And I'm glad that some of us have talent like you have. And I'm glad that some people are wealthy. And I'm glad, you know, because the great thing, if we're really acting like a body, we help each other out. If God gives you a bunch of money, then if you share with the body of Christ, I get to benefit from it, and you have to pay the taxes on it. So works out well. But he says, hey, when God honors someone, acknowledge that and rejoice in it. We should be happy for other people. We should be happy when good things happen to other people because when it happens to other people, it happens to us. Now, one of the areas where we are the worst at doing this is one church to another. So often, churches find themselves in competition with each other. And if I see another church that's bombing and falling apart, you know, what do I do? Do I say, well, good, maybe some of those people will find a real church and come here, see what a real church is like. 
Do I go, you know, I've been expecting it for a long time, and those people had it coming. They're getting what they deserve. On the other hand, if I hear that a church is doing well, do I scrutinize and analyze what they're doing and pass judgment on them? Do I say, well, yeah, sure, they're a big church. They have a lot of people, but we have quality. You know, all those people can't be Christians. They're a bunch of phonies. That play, they're just surfacey. They're, hey, if they name the name of Jesus, if he is their Lord, then we are all together members of one body. You may not like some of what they do. You may not agree with the way they do it. You may not like their style of doing it. But they're our family. We're connected to them. And what hurts them hurts us. And we better know that. And we need to feel that. And at the same time, if they're getting honored, we should be celebrating right along with them. You know, I, we have in our county one of the biggest churches in the country over in Lake Forest, Saddleback Church. And they get a lot of honor lately. Rick Warren is on all the TV shows, and, you know, Larry King interviews him, and he comes off really well, and their church is booming and growing and having an impact around the world, and they're calling him, you know, America's pastor, the next Billy Graham, and all this stuff. And that church is doing very well with lots of honors. Two choices. You can look at them and go, yeah, but how long will it last? You know, it doesn't seem like they're really, if you're really preaching the gospel, that many people won't come. They're probably compromising everything, and he's probably on TV because his press agent set it up. And, you know, and I could look and go, they should put me on Larry King. I, I know I could be more clever, be more quotable. I could, Larry would like me. I, you know, why don't they put me on Larry King? Or... I can look at this guy who's sold millions and millions of books and who's impacting people around the world and who's drawing people to church who have never been to church before, and I can go, I am so glad that Rick Warren is my brother and that God is choosing to honor him. It doesn't say figure out why they're honored. If they're your brother and they're honored, rejoice. And I am genuinely so happy for what God has done in that church. But it's not just that church. It's uh, the Baptist church across the driveway. They're great brothers in the Lord. And, and I love, when we get a chance to talk to them, and if I hear that God's doing good things, or even when I drive in and I look and I go, wow, look, their parking lot's full. When we first moved here, their parking lot was like half full. And now it's completely full. Am I going to go, hey, are some of those people people that used to go to our church and now they're trying, <laughs> they like the bells or something, and now they're going... You know what, if they are, I don't care. Because that's just an extension of the body of Christ like we are. And I want them to be blessed. And I'll rejoice if a bunch of people from our church decide to go to that church. Hey, I'm happy for them. It means they found something that they like better. Anyone who leaves our church, I'm happy, especially the type of people who leave. But more than... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Seriously, if you ever find a place that that makes you happier and more fulfilled and you'll learn more about the Lord and you're blessed at another church, don't come and go, oh boy, I'm embarrassed when I see Dave at the store because he's going to wonder where. No, I'm happy, really. It's, it's great. We're all one church. It's just the body of Christ. You know, I long for the day when our church and the Baptists are all so packed with all our services that people have to go to the Methodist church even. No, I'm just... Do you get what I'm saying? 
There's a bunch of opportunities to rejoice because God honors certain people. It's not for me to question why, to analyze why, or to look skeptically at it. It's for me to look and see where God is honoring people and where the name of Jesus Christ is lifted up and go, I am so happy. Because if my mood is determined by just how my life is going right now, what a drag that would be. Because I do get in a slump sometimes. I'll have a rough week. And if I'm having a rough week, is God a lousy God? No. He might just be busy blessing someone else right now. This may be my time to learn to weep with those who weep. This may be my time to suffer, to build character into my life. But there are plenty of times when God is blessing me and things are going well. Even then, it's not all rejoicing. Because when I am blessed, I need to have a heart of compassion for other parts of the body who are doing without and who are suffering. But when I'm suffering, I also need to make sure that I stop and rejoice for people who aren't going through what I am going through. You know, rather than to just be so critical and competitive, instead, can we agree that we have a great God, a God who is big enough to deal with our suffering, and a God who is so big that he's always doing great things? And when, some, when somebody loses their job, can I realize that, wow, maybe God has something better for me? When someone is going through a time of illness, can I think, Oh, that's, I know how hard that is. That hurts. But you know what? I know there's good that God's going to do through this. See, everything that happens in life, often there's suffering involved. But there's rejoicing and cause for celebration as well. And what God wants us to do is to live our lives in a mature and a complete way so that we, like Jesus, can experience the gamut of human emotions on a consistent basis. The same Lord who said, I came to give you life to make your joy full was also called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. See, he knew it. He came to experience life to the fullest. And life to the fullest doesn't mean just a one-sided whoopee, but life to the fullest is, boy, there are times of hurt. And those times teach us and build character in us and draw us to need each other. And at the same time, oh man, there's always something good going on. There's always a reason for celebration. There's always an opportunity to praise and to worship God and to thank him for all that he is doing. And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, you are just one part of a big body. And everything that happens to every member happens to you. So be willing to share in the difficulties. Don't let people suffer alone. Don't make them feel like something's wrong with them because they're suffering. But also, be there to celebrate with them my blessing. Be there to share with them what I have done for you so that you can all be living life to its fullest, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that we share as a body in all that happens to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to connect. Teach us to appreciate. Teach us to sympathize. Help us to value your body. 
and to take our place, fulfilling our part in that which you are doing and that which you want to continue to do. Lord, we're grateful for you including us in this incredible connection that's the church of Jesus Christ all over the world. Lord, help us to be good members of the body by suffering with, sympathizing, and also by celebrating and rejoicing in your honor when it comes. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.